Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. We're going to start our message off with a three-minute video, a three, a two-minute video um, special message from our, our youth that will help us with today's message. Let's play the video. What's it like going to high school is that people will do drugs and talk about sex or vaping and cussing. Right now, being in high school is kind of tough. Um, a lot of stuff's going wrong behind the scenes and not a lot of parents are there to help you out. It kind of feels like after your parents leave and you go to school, you're all by yourself. I feel like being a teenager is fun, but also it sucks because when you're in the world, it like, you hear all these other things and I feel like I could just, I wish I could skip and become an adult. I guess the amount of pressure that people have on you or like a certain expectation that people put on like your life and what you're supposed to be in that sort of sense. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of stressful. I feel like a lot of people, I see a lot of people vape and stuff, and I think they just do it because a lot of, of their friends do it and they say that it's cool. People vape, people do a lot of cussing, people just do a random stuff. I just don't feel like there's enough godly people or enough Christians that like care and show themselves as Christians at school. I feel like it's very hard to be a Christian at school and be like proud of it. Yes, yeah, sometimes I feel seen, but at the same time I don't. Like in general, I feel like it would be nice for people to be like wondering where I am or like caring more about me. I feel like God doesn't answer my prayers as much as I want him to. you react to that video but it but it's emotional because it's real we don't have to guess that's not stock video or something that's video from youth right here in our church the landscape of the world especially after COVID has put them in a very vulnerable position where there's a lot of feelings of insecurity and and depression and people got into vices and evil during that time that have become epidemic and a plague and, and addictions. We have a generation of young people who are in trouble and, and they're looking for someone to help. Now, when I think about uh, myself as a parent, and maybe you think about yourself as a parent, we go to great lengths when our kids just have desires or when they have wants or when they have needs and don't let them be in trouble. You know, we, we, we will run to their aid. What if we took seriously the cries of our youth or our children as if they were our own and we began to show up at a higher rate in their lives. One of the things that was not expressed on the video, which is the conclusion of the video, is that they wish they had some adults that would just pray for them and pray with them. Instinctively, 
and intuitively they know that the answer to the evils that's going on in the world is a godly answer. It's the God of heaven and the God of earth, but yet they want adults to help them journey to this conclusion and journey to this place. In a lot of ways, if the church stops being the place where you can count on prayer to happen, uh, let me rephrase that. If the church stops being the place where you can count on answered prayer, I believe you call to God and he answers your prayer, then the next generation won't be handed a legacy. They'll be handed peril. They'll be handed a darkness. That's why we're going down at three o'clock to pray at the at the courthouse to not say government is the answer, though it's the God can use it as part of the solution. Crying out to God is the answer. I believe this church in Antioch began to develop something as the community of believers that I think that we could model, that actually speaks to this. They modeled it in a variety of ways about how they were ethnically mixed in together. Uh, they did it uh, with how they engaged the spirit and they did it how they did the work. I want to see, show you how the text actually illuminate these things and try to match our work as a church with the work that this effective church in Antioch really did. Let's go to Acts 13 verse 1 and let's just read the first verse right here and then we're going to see within this first verse what was the makeup of this Antioch church that is similar to our makeup that allows us to be effective at the world's problems? Ready? Read. Just verse 1. They had some diversity in this church. They had people that were born Jewish. They had Gentiles. They had people from Northern Africa. They had Niger, uh, which simply means black. And we assumed he definitely is an African. It wouldn't, you know, praise God uh, for the correct use of Niger. <laughs> Just tell people that I was reading the Bible. <laughs> hey, glory to God. Let's move on quick from that right there. Uh, but you see that there's something special about the early church is that they had a diversity. They, they did not have a singularity. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said the most segregated hour in 1960 is at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. And yet we know that, I think this is, the, is this not the 60th anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech? Uh, that just came to me right now. So, and yet after that dream, we still in America have a divided church. It's just almost this at the beginning of the church's history. God was formulating a church that looked like heaven. 
that had mixture and had diversity. We were, and, and this is not to say anything negative about homogenous churches because there's nothing negative to say about Jerusalem. They were reaching the culture that was around them. But yet there's a higher expression that we long for when we get multi-ethnicity into the church like they did have in this text. There's something that God wants. He wants us to come together. When we see people coming together, we know that it is a miracle. We know that it is a breakthrough. And we know that it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work when you have to deal with sounds and music. And, you know, certain ethnic, my ethnic group can be loud. Don't know how to sing soft. Got to sing it way too loud. The other ethnic groups in here who, who, who like the more, you know, the sweet sound. He is Lord. He is Lord. Then, 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 then some ethnic groups like the, the worship and they got that. I can't do that Latin thing. You know, they, they got every, every song got that. Every, every one of them. They got to do, you know, they got to use body and, you know, and you just blend all these people together and everybody's trying to figure out their preference. But they were together is the point. They were hanging was the point. Society did not want them to hang. Their, their own individual groups did not want them to hang, interact, or be family. In this country, there was challenges when one ethnic group would marry another ethnic group. There were laws against it. There was hatred against it. But God has torn down the walls that separate man. And in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's an ability to come together like you can't in the heart. Not just in the head, not just for business, not just for academic, not just forced. Everybody will eventually reject laws and things that make them do something. The church does not make you do something. You are not made to worship here. There are other great churches in this city. Grace across the street. My friend Kevin Queen down the street. There are great churches everywhere. But we have a specific mission in this church. And we're a church that embraces God's heart for every nation. That's diversity. That means when you're embracing God's heart, that means God intended for us to be together with all of our differences. And instead of looking and doing this and saying you don't prefer, you come close and you embrace it. You say, come on, I, I want to be by you. And I want to avoid you. There's going to come a moment when someone of another ethnicity offends you. They, they don't use the terminology that, that, that builds you up. That's not your opportunity to say, mm, I thought so. That's not your opportunity to say, yes, I'm leaving. It's your opportunity to form a table and have a dialogue. That hurt me. Can we talk about that? Because we're called to walk together. Society only knows how to cancel one another. We don't do that in the church. We form a table where we come and we talk about our sin nature, our flesh, and we, how Christ can bring us together. That is the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation means to make friendly again. This church was not avoiding one another. They said, we're going to be with each other. It's tough. They're embracing God's heart for every nation. The second thing this church did is in verse 2. 
Read verse 2 for me. While they were worshiping the Lord in fasting and prayer. A lot of y'all don't consider fasting worship, but it's worship. You eating every day of the week, and maybe you're not supposed to. And some of y'all looking at my weight saying, well, Pastor Jane, you eating too. No, I'm fasting. It's just, it take a lot more for certain people. I'm not letting you know I'm doing all I can. They worship the Lord. Part of their worship was to fast. Part of their worship was to pray together. Seeking God together. Laying aside your individual agenda together in a multi-ethnic environment. How you serve the Lord. See, people use church as a tool to serve them. And I'm glad if it can serve you. But you are not here in church for it to serve you. You are here in church to serve the Lord. And in serving the Lord, God will return to you things you need. But you first come to serve. You first come to give. You first come to get to, so that you can be meat for the master's use. That's it. That's it. I love that, 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 that the scripture we have on the wall is, we should, my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations, but the prayer meeting is the least attended meeting in our church on Wednesdays at 6 a.m. in the morning from 6 to 7. We are here praying as a church, and I'm going to tell you, if, we, if you're a faithful 6 a.m. person, let me see you say yeah or something. Okay, so these people, they don't think that prayer is some type of duty or obligation or weight on them. When they show up in the morning, they were like, David, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. They got a pep in their step and they're ready to cry out to God because they know the secret. You don't ask God something and get returned with nothing. When you ask, you receive. When you seek, you find. When you knock, the door is open unto you. Prayer changes things. These young people at the beginning of the, uh, of the video are basically saying, I got all these challenges. Will some adults show me that what God promised will actually come to pass in my generation? He can turn it around. I have watched him change in my generation, young people. I went into a school, a whole school, where everyone cussed and used profanity. And I got up as as the school president and I said, that day is over. It dishonors God for us to talk that way. Let's in our generation stop talking that way. Let's honor each other and let's honor God and let's change it. And for a whole year, we had something different through the power of prayer. I'm telling you that God can move mountains. God will move mountains. You have not because you ask not. Just ask him. Show up and ask him. So at 3 o'clock today, when we come and pray and the focus is on the next generation and schools and everything, it's because we know God going to change things. We know he's going to change all of this identity confusion and gender confusion and all that stuff. You can't figure it out. You can't figure out, it's cisgen, heterosexual, you don't know the terminology no more. You all messed up, jacked up. You don't know if you're saying it right or saying it wrong, but God can recalibrate you in a prayer moment. 
come. He's not the author of confusion, but life and peace. And when we petition heaven for words, you can stand up as a teacher and say, and God will give you the wisdom how to say it different. You can stand up as a principal. You can stand up as a community leader and you'll know the intelligent thing to say instead of being the Christian that gets on TV with no prayer preparation and says the thing that makes our faith look silly. If they come to you for an interview as a believer and you don't know what to say, you know what you should do? Be still. Be silent. And say, how about that person over there? (laughs) You're not qualified to speak on everything. But when you pray, you are. Prayer is powerful. In that prayer moment, the Holy Ghost spoke. Not the church spoke. Not the individual spoke. The Holy Ghost spoke. You need a word from God to function. You need a word to go. You need a word to stay. You need a word to make your marriage work or to make your business. You need a word. And the Holy Ghost will speak. And what the answer was, was separate, sanctify, set aside Paul and Barnabas for a work I have prepared for them. I've called them to this work. I know that God speaks to individuals, Pastor Dave. I know he spoke to Abraham. I know he spoke to Moses. I know he's spoken to me. But I think far too much emphasis is given on the individual uh, nature of God speaking to individuals. And there's something more powerful, I feel, when you can come into a corporate place and get multiple confirmations about your direction because God is speaking to a group with you. You can't just trust yourself. You need some help. What the Lord said to me. And I mean, that gets thrown around. Everything the Lord said. Right now, these elders, Pastor Bryson and, and, and Pastor Dave and others in the room, you know what they're doing? Pastor Kevin's in the room. You know what they're doing when I'm speaking? They're judging what I say. I'm saying it comes from the Lord, but you don't know. I, we have people in the room that judge what I say. And if I'm missing God, guess what they're going to come say? You kind of missed them a little bit right there. Let's just make some adjustments. That's how it should be. Now, not to be, if I've been doing this over 30 years and I'm still having other believers. Remember, in this church were prophets and they were teachers, but they were working together. If I would still put myself under this scrutiny of having other people evaluate what I'm saying to make sure it's of God, stop walking around saying everything that you think God said and haven't been checked by no other, no other person with the Holy Ghost. He said he's searching in John 4. He said the hour has come and it's now come where the, where, but the hour is coming and it's now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. He's seeking true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth. He's the spirit of truth. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual act of worship. When we come, it's an act of worship. It's an act of surrender. Therefore, a church that prays and obeys his word and worships together is devoted. 
So we said a diverse church embraces God's heart for every nation. A devoted church, which is another one of our values, honors God by obeying his, praying together, obeying his word, and worshiping together. Because we know the secret of that. You're not coming to church just to, you know, be doing something to check a box. There's something dynamic that happens when we don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together as a manner of some is. Something supernatural happens when, you're, when you show up to the prayer. prayer. I'm, I'm, the world needs to see the church on display. I'll prove that in just a moment. Let's go to the last part of this verse, verse 3. Read this with some power and conviction. Verse 3. After fasting and praying. After fasting and praying. You need fasting and praying in a worship center. You need the things that God pours into you when you're in a corporate setting. But far too many believers want to get stuck in what they call a revival meeting, stuck in a room where they feel the tangible, holy tingles of God. And I want to feel those tingles too. I want to roll around on the carpet. I want to feel a little shot from God. I want to get in worship that makes me cry. I want to just huck a buck and shuck. I want to do all of that stuff. I want all, I do, I want all of the stuff that the Holy Ghost has for me. I like to do some laps of holy running around, around the church. I like to stand here for a couple of hours. I like to have some snot coming out my nose and some tears coming out and a roll on the carpet because God is touching me to a dynamic bit. But there's a time for it to start and there's a time for it to finish. But you want to get to the time where it's time to go. And this is where we get stuck as a church. His church has to be mobilized. You have to go. Honor the Great Commission. Honor, the, the, do the work of an evangelist. You have to go. It, it, yes, he said, I, I tell you, how many prophecies do you need about, you know, and people, you know, God told me I was going to be great. When did he tell you that? Last year. God told me it was going to be great. When did he tell you that? Five years ago. God told me I'm going to do some great stuff with me. When did he tell you that? Ten years ago. <laughs> And coming, and you want a new word. You want to come, and you want to. You will come down to the front. You want prayer, and I, I like to pray for you. But you want a new word. He already gave you assignments. If you're unsure, show up for corporate prayer till you get sure. And he separates you. It's a, it's a time. You're commissioned. They had to go. And then when they went, it wasn't easy. Do you know this church has been honoring? This from its inception. When you hear the mission statement, reach the city to touch the world, it's not a mission or mantra we thought about doing. We have done it, been attacked, done it again, been attacked, done it again, and been attacked. We've been in every one of these schools, high schools, junior high schools, elementary, ministering every week. Five different youth groups around, around the city. Every nation, ministries, and churches is our covering that we actually send out missionaries to the world. You do that work. Seventy nations of the world that are empowered by your hand and your giving and your prayers because of this. But let me get, give you some specific things that have happened to conclude this message here at Bethel. Let me give you some things that you may not know because you've been here too short. Pastor Jerry used to lead our 
Unite Campus, which is something that Pastor Bryson is going to be working with other ministers here to, to, to re- rebirth some type of downtown type of service. Pastor Dave Spring, we used to have uh, the old planet Hollywood, which is now Margaritaville, used to be our bu- building called the Global Cafe. We sent a pastor down there. We had a, 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 a lot of stuff, but it wasn't financially advantageous. So we moved away from that building, but we're going back to take that part of the city. Pastor, we had Pastor Mike at Bethel Metro in East Nashville. We had some challenges with our venue, but now where we're going to do the Wild Jam outreach in the, in the, in the month is the exact place where we used to have a church. And guess what? We're believing God to point out the new Saul or Paul and Barnabas that could be planted and sent and go there. It might be you. It might be you. You go to the outreach and you don't know what's going on and the Lord begin to touch your heart and you come up to me while the outreach is going on and you say, it's me. Now, we're going to vet it. I want you to think because you said we that desperate that you say it's you and we're not going to make sure you got good sense. But (laughs) we have Pastor um, Shino, Pastor Justin Gray, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Steve Merle all went out to Bethel Franklin to plant that until we actually had to build this facility and we closed that facility and we, we, we have it here now. Then you had Pastor uh, Ron David Moore, who was in our Bethel Murfreesboro, now led by Pastor Brock, who today, Pastor Brock is celebrating 25 years of ministry. Today, he's one of the most preaching, I'm talking about, if you want to know what church I was going to, I would go to, if I wasn't here, I'll be going to Bethel Murfreesboro Church. That man is a preaching machine. If you want better preaching than this, you go to Bethel Murfreesboro. It's another level. It is. This is where you find out, I don't think I was saved till I heard him preach. I think I'm going to go to the altar. That's it. He got that gift. Then you have Pastor Lance in uh, Bethel Clarksville, another one of our elders of, of the church. Look at this beautiful family. 19 years in September is what, how long that church will have been going when we started it. Pastor Brock, Pastor Lance got born again in this ministry, trained in this ministry, raised up, sent out through prayer and fasting in this ministry. We had Pastor Philip led our Bethel uh, uh, Hispanic, Pastor Ariel led our Bethel uh, Memphis, and then they changed the name, Pastor Danny McDaniel of Bethel Dallas, and then that turned into Pastor Cody Mahon and Testimony Church. We planted that church. We would do all of our services and then fly down and do their services in Dallas. We did that for multiple years until we raised up leaders. Pastor Mike Gowans, Bethel, Arizona, has two congregations, one in uh, Tempe, and Chandler, Pastor Mike Gowan started here, and he, and, he, and he just rose up through the ranks leading our discipleship, and then he was spent, sent out. Yeah, Pastor Brian Taylor, born again, saved, hey, a Vanderbilt student. Come on, Anch- how have y'all do that? An- an- anchor, yeah. Oh, anchor down, yeah. Anchor. Now, Dr. Brian Taylor played on the football team, reached, you know, you know who, uh, and then he, he's been a part of reaching other people. James, who, who, who reached who when it came to, to uh, how'd Brian get reached? He was before you. 
Okay. But the point is, is that everybody has these interconnected stories. And now he's, he's uh, uh, every nation, he changed his name to Every Nation Cincinnati. Then we have Bethel Dixon, some young ministers rising up. Pastor Dan Bonner and John Greer. We don't have it all worked out and we don't have it all perfect, but you just start with the Holy Ghost said, go to a city. The Holy Ghost said, separate Paul and Barnabas. The Holy Ghost said, reach the city, touch the world. Why? I want to leave you with this point. Stand on your feet on this last point. I'm going to leave you with this scripture. Put a John 17 up here. Read this out loud for me, church, because this is the conclusion of the matter. John 17. Ready? Read. When we stay connected to God, God stay connected in us, we stay connected with one another, and we're out in the world, they know that Jesus was sent for them and loves them. Isn't that powerful? Just by being you. I know there's no other way to say things sometimes except a program of a church. But I think the life and lifestyle of a church that prays is the biggest significant marker. At three o'clock today, when we go out to pray, down at the courthouse for an hour and 15 minutes, I know that the secular people of this world call me after each time, how they were blessed and how they hope that we prayed for them because they know we're a praying church. I get calls that I can't tell you about because our church shows up. Let's continue to be a diverse church and embrace God's heart for every nation. Let's continue to be a devoted church that honors God by praying, obeying his word, worshiping together. Let's continue to help people follow Jesus, which is what Paul and Barnabas did in discipleship. And discipleship starts with evangelism. Just bow your head and let it be personal for a moment. Take it beyond the program. Take it beyond the sermon. Take it to the most personal place you can. Tell the Lord, count me in to being the church, to being your church in Jesus' name.